0: Hello, and welcome to the Yellow Brick Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Helms, and I am excited to introduce you to Dr. Holly Milligan, a very specialized and experienced physical therapist in our Wichita community. She is actually the number one practitioner of counter strain in the entire state of Kansas. There's only four other physical therapists who practice counter strain, and she is the leading one. She talks to us in this episode about exactly what Counter-Strain is and why it's so important and innovative in not only the medical field, but also in the field of therapy and psychology. I can't wait for you guys to learn about this. She's blown my mind in so many different ways, telling me more about counterstrain. So without much further ado, let's get into the show. All right, so we're going to jump into our first four, and my first question for you is what did you want to be as a kid growing up before you transitioned into now being a physical therapist and um, having your doctorate in physical therapy? When I was
1: younger, I wanted to be a vet. Um, we grew up on a farm, so you know, being around animals, the wildlife. As far as transitioning to a therapist, I'm not for sure if that, just the taking care of or helping people um, was was
0: part of that or not. Yeah, just wanting to, it sounds like be a helper. Yes. Yeah. I feel like many of the people I talked to in some capacity were just like, I don't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to help, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. And do you have a lot of animals now? Um,
1: no, we do no. not.
0: Okay. Um, nope. <laughs> I was just wondering, I was like, I didn't know if that translated into, because some people, you know, they just start collecting animals mm-hmm. as they yep. Switch them Okay, <laughs> hey, there you go. Oh, yes. Animals for humans. Totally makes sense. And tell me about one of what I call your worst or most growing moments as a, as a physical therapist, whether it was as a student or practicing. What was something you learned from?
1: Um, I think the worst one was the, as a student. It was a pretty earlier on. And my job was walking a client downstairs. Um, and it happened to be a rather mm-hmm. larger client mm-hmm. and just giving not knowing, I guess, what their capability was. Mm -hmm. And so um, luckily we did not tumble down the stairs. We were able to sit down safely, Um, but just knowing kind of how to read people um, and what the signs are for when they're, they're having trouble and how to help them. Um, I think if I could have had that a little bit better at the time, we wouldn't have, you know, had that, had to sit down, Um, but just you know,
0: it could have been a lot worse than it was, but it was yeah. definitely a, I need to really be paying attention to these so, things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious cause I, you know, obviously if people verbally tell you like, Hey, I can't do this, mm-hmm. that's pretty direct. But what were some of the things you had to learn about? Was it like people's body language or their breathing? What was it that you learned? Both body yeah. language, breathing, just,
1: you know, kind of how, how they're breathing, even if you can't see it, just, like shortness of breath versus the, you know, nice, calm breath, um, eye movements, you know, if they kind of start looking around everywhere. Mm. Um, and then just, you know, getting in front of it too you know, before we start the activity, how do you feel? Yeah, um, And I think that's a big thing of what I've learned is sometimes they have a good reading and, you know, it's very helpful. And sometimes they, they don't know either. So
0: mm-hmm. then
1: picking up on those body cues to kind of transition when they can't and even, yeah, tell you. They can't tell us. Yeah, yes.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point. And tell me about a moment that you feel proud of or one of your better moments, you know, doing physical therapy.
1: Um, it's when I was out in Charlotte working with a kiddo. Um, it was a definitely a different setting for me um, as far as I went into home. And so going into this family's home, it took me a long time just to get them comfortable with who I was, yeah. and to trust me as far as services. And then it was closer to when I was moving. Um, I was working with a speech therapist, and she brought in um, a, like a lang- you know, a language um, switch button. So, you know, the kid could hit hit it, and then it talked. Mm. And so they were practicing that when I got there, and. The therapist goes, uh, the speech therapist goes, oh, you know, this is Miss Holly. Who is she to you? You know, is she your friend? Is she your family? Or is she your therapist? Mm -hmm. And the kid kept hitting friend. And they're like, oh, no, no, that's not it. She's your therapist. And the kid kept hitting friend. And so I think just where we started with that family Mm -hmm. and then transitioned to that was fun to see. So.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I people can't see this but you're tearing up well, as it's you're just, telling the story yeah, it's and it's exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. It sounds you go like a, those m-
1: such big moments working with kids, so it's fun. Yeah.
0: yeah, well and I I mean as a as a therapist in a different way, I mean, if you've worked with somebody for so long mm-hmm. and it takes so long to make breakthroughs, it can just it is emotional, right? Like yes. you feel it and it's personal yep. the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and getting on a little lighter note, yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about your spirit animal. Um, well, I just took the quiz because I didn't know we were supposed to have spirit animals. I know um, I, I pop quiz her. Well, I, I popped this on her earlier, so yes. Kind of um, my, fault. <laughs> my spirit animal is a tiger, and Ooh. so just kind of working
1: with the strength and raw emotion, um, kind of being determined and independent, which pretty
0: much sums me up. So I think it's a good one. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've only known you for the last month or so, but I could definitely see those character mm-hmm. traits and what you do and all that good stuff. No, that's awesome I'm trying to like I feel like this makes me a bad podcast host but I feel like someone else has said tiger and I can't remember who it was was. no anyway I've always been fascinated by people's Mm -hmm. spirit animals and what that can kind of tell about how they connect that to their different personality Personality traits yeah absolutely yeah so I think first things first when Mm -hmm. I met you you told me about this thing that I had never heard about before in the physical therapy realm or honestly any realm, mm-hmm. um, called counter and that you are one and you can correct me if any of this is wrong, but that you're one in four people in Kansas that has any training in this. And in fact, you're the leading person or you have the most training mm-hmm. outside of all those four people in Kansas and that this is just a technique that has been revolutionary in your field, and so I'd love for you to just kind of talk more about what exactly that is, how that's different from you know traditional physical therapy when people mm-hmm. think about it. Um, and yeah, just tell me more about counter strain. Um, yes, and it's fascial counter strain. Thank you.
1: Yes, <laughs> um, and so it's looking at more of how the whole body moves. Um, so research has come out now that fascia is actually contractile, and so when I was in PT school. I mean, I graduated in 2007. Um, this research came out in 2006, so it's pretty still unknown, even at, I mean, that time. So we learned as fascia as just an inert, inert um, kind of a structural, you know, it held things in place. Okay. And so since it can contract, you know, they're starting to look at, you know, is, is the fascia contracting and that's why the muscle's getting tight? Mm. Um, you know, it's a protective... um, kind of a protective mechanism that, um, let me go back and say it covers everything in your body. So it's kind of like a spider web over your, in your whole body. And so, you know, it's from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. So people that come in with like a shoulder injury, it might be the shoulder, but it could be something pulling from anywhere else in your body. Right. And so, you know, we, we've never looked at the fascia as far as causing pain like that because we didn't know it could contract. We've always thought of muscle or, you know, some nerve. Um, but what we're finding a lot of is that muscle's tight because it's protecting something underneath. And mm. so traditional PT looks a lot at, you know, we're going to relax that muscle to take the pain away. Yes. Well, if that muscle's protecting, like, the fascia around a nerve, the fascia around an artery, the vein, um, you know, you can you can try to relax and stretch that muscle all you want, but your body's
0: going to hijack it to protect the underlying cause. Okay. You know, that, that kind of reminds me of a story I heard actually yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was talking um, to a colleague and becoming friend of mine that had talked about how um, she'd had back issues all of her life, and they found out later on that she had scoliosis in different areas, and mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you the extent of what all they were, but there were these back problems, and so she would go get a massage, and she'd think, oh, deep tissue, and that would be great. But what happened was because it was so – it was like – it was starting to like unravel basically all the stuff that like, she didn't know she had scoliosis or oh, any other mm-hmm. issues. And so she'd get these massages and be in pain for two weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so she stopped doing massages cause she was like, I, you know, whatever it did, it unraveled the tissue and the muscle kind of holding together like her, heard the issues like kind of compensating for what mm-hmm. was going on with her bone structure. And I just, and maybe it's that that's a little bit different, but I'm, I'm starting to kind of connect the dots where it's, you know, You might think, you know, people don't really realize that the different structures are all connected Mm -hmm. or even how they're connected, right? Like we think it's the muscle or the bone, but um, it's not always that simple. It's very complex. And even, you know, if they're undoing things with the muscle that the fascia is trying to like hold in place, I could be saying this wrong. But you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. it's that could be actually creating more issues where we're trying to heal. Yes. And so, and mm-hmm. I know you've said, you've mentioned that before too, where it's different than massage therapy.
1: Oh, very much
0: so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Brian Tucky is kind of the
1: the one that's come up with the fascial counter strain. And it's, he has mapped out most of, a lot of the body and there's very specific points um, and a very specific glide to turn off, you know, what structure you want to turn off. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just hunting. Um, through the body, like, oh, this hurts, like, what could, you know, what could that be? I mean, he's mapped it out to where this is this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like the subjective. It's, it's more of an objective that we know what we're treating and the way it, you know, if you look at the body, if you, you know, if you think of your, like your esophagus, mm-hmm. you know, nobody would treat
0: your esophagus
1: in mm-hmm. physical therapy. Um, most people wouldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't even like the funny part is I know so little about my, I'm like, where is that? Is that like in, that's in here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes all the way down to like your thoracic
1: level, um, like T7. So, you know, pretty much kind of bottom of where your rib cage is. Mm-hmm. And so that's a long area, but it also passes through like the, the tissue around that surrounds the heart that, you know, it pierces through your diaphragm. So if you think of that, esophagus is tight. If it can actually contract,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and once it contracts, I mean it's stiff. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stretch out of it for, with the fascial contraction. Mm. You know, once that's tight, and you go to swallow and eat, and you know, stand up straight, it can pull on the heart. It can pull on the diaphragm, mm. and you know, the diaphragm's attached also to around the rib cage, right, and backside of the rib cage. So that could cause back pain. And they're trying to treat the muscles of the back, and it has nothing, nothing to do. do with that. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fascinating. So, like, people, okay, like, when they have their, their shoulders pulled forward, could yes. that be something where the esophagus Absolutely. is tightened?
1: It could be esophagus, but then if you think of, like, the fascia around vagus nerve, mm-hmm. that vagus nerve goes all the way from your head, you know, and, it, and there's innervations, branches all the way down to your colon. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a long sucker, so it's going to pull you, I mean, into that flexion state. Um, There's also artery nerves and veins that run around each vertebrae, underneath each vertebrae. So if it's that, that can pull you into this. Mm -hmm. And so that's the nice thing about what, you know, Brian Tecky has done is that he's mapped it out so we're not guessing. Mm -hmm. Like, we can tell what we need to turn
0: off first Mm -hmm. to tell, you know, is it the esophagus? Is it the nerve? Is it the artery? Is it the vein? So because he's mapped it out to where he's Mm – how did he even, like – stumble upon this like what was his story behind like how he even started this
1: he has quite a bit of um, manual therapy training Mm -hmm. Um, he was one of four certified under four pts certified under um, dr jones who was the originator of strain counter strain and what dr jones strain counter strain what dr jones found out is you know if you it's more positional so you know if you just go into position of ease and hold it there for a while, and then, you know, passively come back out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the pain's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And so what he was doing, and what, you know, Brian has expanded on, is instead of trying to stretch through things, which research shows, if you try to stretch fascia, it actually makes it more tight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of stretching and stuff, you're you're doing, you know, opposite of what you want to do. Yes. Um, but yeah, it when you shorten it, it it's kind of an instantaneous release of the like the pain reflex arc.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so Brian had training in that, and then he went to a visceral class,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know learned all the visceral techniques. Came back to clinic and was doing one, and you know just knew pushing it. The body was just saying no. You know you try to push on something, the body doesn't want to go. So you know in his mind he goes, well counterstrain, you go into ease.
0: Mm-hmm. So you know he
1: took whatever visceral he was working, which is an organ, um, working on and just went into ease and it was just an instantaneous relax, relaxation of everything.
0: When you say into ease, does that mean like mm-hmm. going with where it's resisting or like, what does that mean exactly? Yep. So, so if you think you're, your bicep,
1: okay bicep, people understand muscle quite a bit better. You know, if you're stretching it and your body's like, Oh, that hurts. Uh-huh. Instead of trying to stretch through it, we're actually going to bring it way
0: into relaxation oh, and hold it there. Okay. I wish we had like a video for this. Right yes, now. <laughs> we're like out extending our arm and then we're bending Stending it towards ourselves extremely, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, no. So it's okay that and that it is that the counter strain is that yeah. why it's called okay, mm-hmm. totally. So yeah, you're with going us. against. Yeah. Yep,
1: you're going into ease the way the body wants to go, and mm-hmm. so kind of how you were talking earlier about you know the shul- sh- forward shoulders, and you know. I was told, stand up straight, you know, get your shoulders back, you know, stand up straight, stand up straight. Um, But if, you know, if you have something that's, the fascia that's just pulling you forward, it's just, your body's just exhausting trying to hold it straight. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's not necessarily a posture thing. There's probably something in the front that's just tight and won't relax.
0: That is so interesting. So, okay, for the therapy world, here's how my brain works, at least. Um, That kind of makes me think of how people will resist their emotions. Mm -hmm. And really, the way of getting through their emotions is through it, like to go deeper into it and process it. And, you know, and again, obviously, people have different theoretical orientations. But I do believe that there's so many people that try to like, It's like, oh, I'm feeling angry. Let me pretend I'm happy. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't work Mm -hmm. over time, right? Like in the moment, they're like, okay, great. Just kind of like, you know, pushing your shoulders back might work in the moment. And you Mm -hmm. might be like successful at willpowering your way through that moment. But over time, it's not healing the root of what's going on. It's not maintainable. Yeah. yeah, So you've got to address the root, which is so crazy because my brain never connected the dots with how that works in the body at all. Like, Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I had, My brain just exploded a little. Um, cool. That's great because I'm definitely a person that, um, throughout my life has struggled with my posture. So totally selfish questions here too, but I know a lot of people that do, mm-hmm. or they have like that forward, you know, technology shoulder going on. Yes. Um, so it's definitely a common issue and yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit about this being correlated, because you talked about the vagus nerve, which some yep. of our audience probably knows what that is, but for other people, that that's like the pathway between our brain stem and our gut, right? That long, how our gut is, you know, communicating with our brain, and again, you can correct me if I'm yep. saying anything mm-hmm. wrong, but that's kind of the way I kind of basically lay it out for people, um, and yeah, so tell me more about how you guys work with the vagus nerve or if there's any ways that you work with people's nervous system. Um, because we're realizing more and more that we've got to treat the nervous system if we're going to work with trauma, right? And so, yeah, tell me more about Vegas nervous system so, work you guys do. Yeah. Basically, very big question out there. Yep. Yeah. So we'll backtrack a little
1: bit. And okay. um, Brian has, you know, kind of developed the nervous system as there is a like the autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have your sympathetics and your parasympathetics, and then. Um, the somatic nervous system, which is more, you know, I can flex my fingers. Mm-hmm. So the nerves that control movement. And so if you're looking at the nervous system, the sympathetics are going to be your fight or flight. So mm-hmm. if they're on, it's just, you know, that heart rate's going, you're you're ready to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the parasympathetics are more your rest and digest,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which the vagus is part of the parasympathetics. And so as far as, like I said, he's mapped out... There's techniques for um, the sympathetics. Part of the sympathetics are going to be your um, preganglionics, your postganglionics. So, if you think of like a power cord, Mm -hmm. the big one that pulls or that plugs into the wall, if you think of the wall circuit as your spinal cord, Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: the outlet, the multiple plugins, as your preganglionics, and then you can plug you know, like five additional in, and that's going to be your postganglionics. Okay. So it's like your spinal cord controls the sympathetics, which controls the post-sympathetics. Okay.
0: To... Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm tracking okay. so far. Um, and he's mapped out how to treat all of it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you can treat the sympathetics also innervate the arteries and the veins. Mm-hmm. So if your sympathetics are high... You know, it's going to control the tra- contraction of your arteries and veins, so it'll control blood flow. Yes. So, working with um, just calming those down, you know, you're going to level kind of the tension of the arteries and veins, and then um, overall, you know, how quickly you escalate to being
0: in that flight or fight or flight stat state. Okay. So, could I give you an example, and sure. you kind of help me through like what that would look like? So. I even had a client today that was talking about how she's having a really hard time regulating her nervous system um, because mm-hmm. she's having a lot of stress in her life. And uh, even when she goes home and there's no stress there, she can't really turn it off. Mm-hmm. Like, she still feels like she's in flight mode um, and really struggling to sleep. And, you know, even the other night kind of cried herself to sleep. And I was like, well, that's actually a good thing. And even though, like, sucks to cry yourself to sleep, like, I think, you know, my understanding is when we cry, we're really seeing the chemicals that kind of will help us regulate our nervous mm-hmm. system. So that was maybe the only way that she felt, you know, her body felt like she could do it in that moment. Um, but how might you work with somebody who's really struggling to like get out of that anxiety flight mode, that sort of thing? Um, what might you like, and it, obviously I know you got to look at their body and what's going on yeah. probably, um, but it's all the but what's a general, yeah, yeah. What's a general um, case you might see? Yep. And
1: so we find, I mean, the way we, Kind of find what to treat first is um, there, there's a very specific scan that tells you where to treat in the body. And then you find where that the most, like if I touch you and Mm -hmm. it hurts, like it makes you want to jump off the table, that's what we call a tender point. Mm -hmm. And so those tender points are associated with very specific structures of the body. So as far as the, you know, the sympathetics, um, if we go in and turn those off, you know, it's going to level out kind of that regulation between sympathetics and parasympathetics. Mm -hmm. So all the tender points that, like, we find in your body, everything is on. Mm. Okay, so if we turn it down, it's going to naturally bring your parasympathetics up. Okay. And so that will level out then the the feelings.
0: Yes, and it'll help kind of bring your Mm -hmm. body into a regulated state. Now, does that last, or do, do people need to kind of... Like, do they have to see you weekly to get into a good space? Or, like, how does that look over time?
1: Depends on the the person. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on how much they have going on. Typically, we'll see people, you know, four, five, six times once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, with this, it takes the body, you know, even after, a se- like, one session, you mm-hmm. know, 24, 48 hours to, to fully adjust. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes even longer after that. Um, but it... After you go through it, it's instead of just uh, kind of relaxing everything, you're actually resetting the whole reflex arc. So how the brain perceives um, that structure, how the that you know how that structure is firing to the spinal cord to make um, to make it contract, all that stuff. And so once you turn that off, mm-hmm. I mean, it should last. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, diet's going to be a big thing. Um, if you eat stuff, you're you're inflammatory, you know, if you eat Mm -hmm. something that you're sensitive to, you're going to inflame everything. Mm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times I'll ask people if they have heartburn and oh no, they don't have heartburn and their spouse is, you know, or a friend is over there, they're, they don't have heartburn because they've been on medication for so long. And so, you know, medication and it's masking the, the symptom,
0: right? So they don't,
1: have it, you know, air quotes, but they, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that food is, or whatever they're ingesting is still inflaming the body.
0: Right. They may have, they address the symptom, but not the root cause. So they're still sending themselves into inflammation and then we're treating the inflammation, not the root issue. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Western medicine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's making a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. especially for somebody who at least knows one of her major inflammatory foods, which for me is gluten. I can't do gluten because my Mm -hmm. body just completely rejects it, um, and it makes me miserable, so, right, (laughs) yeah, so I, and having that, my own experience of that, like, even if I were to probably address, like, the digestive issues, like, I didn't realize how much that was connected to my mental health Mm -hmm. until I, like, until I actually addressed it, like, I didn't even connect those dots, and then after the fact, I was like, wow, I didn't realize, like, this would actually make my mental health, my energy levels, Mm -hmm. everything else that was impacted by that better. So your whole body's connected and that's what people forget. Yeah. And I imagine too that, you know, our bodies store so much and we can work through things in therapy, but if we're not addressing what's going on with our body, it's Mm -hmm. still going to communicate to our brain that something's going on. For instance, with my client today, it wasn't like she was, you know, stressing about something in particular or thinking stressful thoughts. So you can't like CBT her anxiety away. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she needed something to happen with her nervous system to really yep. just feel like she could just be at peace. Mm-hmm. And so that's where your role is so crucial in helping me in, in the work that I do. Not that I just do C P T, but uh, yeah. that's a good, clear example for some other mm-hmm. therapists out there. So, um, And I know the way that we
1: kind of look at it as far as, you know, from the body side of things, that a lot of the times, you know, you're working through, like what, prefrontal cortex, and mm-hmm. um, we're working through... You know, the sympathetics through the body, and then we're kind of meeting in the middle at the limbic system.
0: Yes, that's yeah. where I feel like, because we can go a little bit into the limbic system, but mm-hmm. even in my own work, I'm like, I'm it's only so limited, right? Mm-hmm. It's only so limited, and I'll be the first to admit that and, you know, talk to my clients about, let's try some other things in addition to therapy, because even in my own mental health journey, therapy wasn't enough mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about everybody else. Maybe they're doing great, but <laughs> for me and many of I my think clients, we have jobs. <laughs> yeah, well, and the other part is I, I've, I've been so influenced by the pioneers in our field right now and people willing to, to fund research like this mm-hmm. that goes against, you know, our psychopharmacological intervention. So like the medicines people are taking for their psychiatric issues. Those are the ones that get funded or the, the farm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the farm, um, research so to speak but you know stuff like this doesn't get funded because we're not making big pharma any money to fund them no offense don't Mm -hmm. don't come after me um (laughs) and I think not that it doesn't have its own time and place but I do feel that this part doesn't get addressed as much so I'm so grateful that Mm -hmm. we as a field are expanding um and I just there was a Feldenkrais summit um
1: Feldenkrais is another kind of body awareness um technique if I had all the, you know, the time in the world, I think I would definitely go learn that next. Mm. Um, but there's a Feldenkrais summit that Robert Schleip um, spoke at, and he's one of the leading researchers behind fascia right now. Um, and he talked about two research studies. Um, one was by Hoessel, and I might be pronouncing the names wrong. Um, <laughs> Usually but it was, it's hard to pronounce yeah. people's names. Yeah, They need <laughs> those, like, little clips, like how to pronounce, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was... It showed, and of course, this is going to be in animals, but it showed the emotional emotional stress by forced immobility.
0: Mm. And so
1: it was on animals. Um, and, you know, of course, the animal people questioned it. And, you know, they pretty much said, well, this is what we do to our kids in yes. school. You know, they have to sit in this desk, this defined space for this amount of time. So mm. they couldn't really say anything about it and allow the study to go. Um, but what they found was that the that stress from being forced to be immobile so that not natural movement um increase the sensitivity to pressure pain and then like your pain response to repetitive stimulus Mm -hmm. and so you know if i touched you with just like a little bit of pressure Mm -hmm. um you know you might not feel it but someone that's been you know unable to move or you know they're going to feel that as pain yes um and then the other one you know talking about trauma and stuff looked at childhood maltreatment and they found um that kids with, you know, that experienced that had the same increased sensitivity to the pressure and the repetitive pain in um, back, in the back muscles, and then they also separated it to emotional abuse. If they experienced that as a kid, was more sensitive to repetitive pain or the repetitive stimulation, and then sexual abuse was um, geared or kind of enhanced more with pressure sensitivity. So they're really even, I mean, breaking it down to you know, what causes what
0: even with how, what we experienced younger. Right. Like the specific traumas be more correlated mm-hmm. with different ways that manifest in our pain and how yeah. it manifests in our bodies. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. The other thing I probably, I don't remember the study. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to say a generalization here, but we do know that, um, with animals, if they, so they did this, I think with dogs and I think it was either, I forget the pain stimulus, if it was like ice cold water or, uh, an electric zap, I can't remember. But anyway, the point of it is they put animals um, in a bigger area and then they, they put them through pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did it again, but they caged them while they were going through pain. So they put them in, they kind of bound them to not being able to move That's or exactly. to your natural, yeah, yeah, not to get out of your cage. And yeah. that, that trauma was more severe, or they had more PTSD symptoms and severe trauma after the fact. Than the animals that were uncaged. So there is something, we're learning more about there being something to, you know, not only experiencing traumatic events, like that alone, you know, mm-hmm. can induce trauma or the way that we'll see the world, ourselves, or other people differently in a negative way. Um, but also, if we feel restrained or like we can't immobilize, that's immobilize. The body, mm-hmm. immobilized during that event that also matters, so we're learning a lot more about mm-hmm. that, too, in our field. Yeah. So, And what's really
1: interesting about that is, I know we've talked about epigenetics before. Oh, yeah. Yep, and so, <laughs> you know, as far as how, like, if they had a litter of puppies, yeah, how they would, you know, initially yeah. respond to that. Yes. And then if we can take, you know, it, how early we would need to introduce, like, a different stimuli to get them out of that kind of habit or that, that natural response, I guess.
0: Right. So uh, do you feel like what you do teaches the body a different way of being in a way? Because I know that sometimes even in therapy, it's like the exposure to having even a healthy relationship with somebody like that itself is healing that they get mm-hmm. the experience of it. Right. Or are you putting people in an experience where their body isn't, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I'm wondering if that gets, like, yes. I'm wondering if it even just gives their brain the ability mm-hmm. to say that's an option. Right. Right. Well, and that's what, I mean, that's what this does. Okay. That's what I thought. I just didn't want to
1: assume. (laughs) Nope. Nope. That's what it does. Oh, that's awesome. you know, the problem, if you think of like a muscle contraction, Mm -hmm. we can actively release it. Yeah. With fascia, your body does not have a way to actively release it. By itself. By itself. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, And so once you do release it, it's just, oh. Yeah. This is different. And so, you know, once you start, a lot of the time, once you start taking, even just pain, I mean, mm. you take, you know, you look at someone's demeanor before, and then you look at their just facial expressions, and after, it, they've changed. Mm. Um, and so, it's, it's more, I mean, there definitely is an emotional response, because one, you're, you know, your feelings are, are part of your nervous system. Yes. You know, it's, it's not, they're not separate um so you change how you feel and you know your your brain changes yes and your
0: your how you perceive things will change and so yeah and that impacts everything right and yes. that impacts everything right yes. and trauma i mean i like the definition that gabor Mate uses where it's not an issue of exactly what happened to you or whether you went through a tornado or someone just making an offhand comment it's how your perception or your view of the world, yourself, or others changed Mm -hmm. after that moment Mm -hmm. or a rule you created to provide safety once you started to fear something or, you know, tried to avoid something in in the world or in other people or yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, I love that you brought in perception because that's absolutely accurate. Well, we're going to dive into our final four. Okay. If you're ready for that. Yes. Um, and of course I can't remember the first one that I asked, I think it's, what is a book recommendation for somebody inside or outside of the field, um, that you would give to them around these topics?
1: Oh, that's going to be tough because really there are no books. This is so new. Is it? It is so new. (laughs) Um, there's a bunch of research articles, but I know that's pretty tough. Um, but yeah, as far as a book, is there a good website that they can yes. check out? Okay. Um, tuckypt.com. So T-U-C-K-E-Y-P-T.com. Um, is Brian Tucky's. He's the founder. Um, his business website. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of more medical terms, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, counterstrain.com. It's the Counterstrain Academy. It's run in Portland by Tim Hodges. Um, he kind of does a lot with Brian as far as developing the technique. Um, His is, there's a lot more for patient kind of understanding. Yeah. Um, So it's counterstrain.com. Okay. I would say that they're two great
0: websites for information. And resources. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And do you have any words that are like a mantra for you or any quotes that you really like? (laughs) You're like, I don't even know. (laughs) It's so funny. So many people are like, I, you know. Some people like words, and some, and they kind of hold on yeah. to mantras in their life. Um, my mind for this year has just been, it actually was influenced by my CrossFit coach, but um, it was just that I can do hard things, because oh, mm-hmm. um, it helps me get through, and even I had a talk with um, somebody that works in, uh, in helping people through sports issues, and she was talking about mantras and your training, and I was like, she just solidified everything that he had um, shared with me about using those positive reframes because in my Mm -hmm. head usually I'm looking at a workout and I'm like I can't do this (laughs) I'm like I don't know about and I'm freaking out in my head and I'm like I can do hard things this is hard Mm -hmm. but I can do it and it's it's very it's been helpful not only in my like workout life but also business wise because Mm -hmm. you know there are just different obstacles and things I'm trying out this year that you know at first glance I'm like I can't do this yeah (laughs) and then you kind of push through your discomfort and and yeah, you can do it. So I don't know if anything's been meaningful in that regard. No, I mean I, I'm
1: right now. I feel we're kind of in the process of you know, like living um, about two hours away from Wichita here, right? And so it's doing, you know, working in both places. Um, you know, trying to juggle everything so I mean mine's pretty much like just keep moving just keep,
0: keep going just keep Probably going also your own version of I can do hard things yes, yes. <laughs> yep. that's what it sounds like no that's I mean yeah I can only imagine being in between two cities and not only mm-hmm. two cities but two that are two hours away yep. so and I think just yeah. taking
1: it one step at a time yeah um, I mean I know there's points that I start thinking like you know what about you know, what about September? What about October? And it's like, let's just get through today. Yes. And so, you know, it, it, that really takes a lot of the pressure, the worry, the stress. It just makes it all more manageable. So I think just kind of back backtracking
0: and let's let's do today. Yes. No, so. that totally makes sense. And my last question for you is, was there anything else that you feel is important to know about you or the topics we talked about today or a question I didn't ask that you feel would have been important to ask? Um I mean I think we covered quite a bit. It I'm sure there's so much more we could cover, but yeah. yeah. But at least getting through the basics of, of counter strain. And I I learned from you today, so mm-hmm. thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like again in my brain I you know, I had, I have the traditional way of thinking about stretching and just trying to get through things, you know. Pushing against it, mm-hmm. um, so to me, it is fascinating to even think about moving into something like I've never even considered that. Yeah,
1: it's it's a definitely
0: a completely different way of looking at the body. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's really, and I think I hope that for any of the the people or or therapists that are listening to this, that you can um, understand and relate to you know some of the topics we're talking about, but not only that. And understand that we have this amazing resource here in Wichita that we're so grateful for to try something different because I know that, um, not only different, but effective. I know that I've had so many clients where they've tried physical therapy or done other Mm -hmm. interventions and not had success with it. And so hopefully this is a message of hope for people to not give up um, because, yeah, sometimes it takes that third or fourth or even tenth thing that you've tried to really help and like meet your body where it's at. And, um, I'm just so grateful that we have this resource here. So yeah, I'm excited to start. So yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Jenny. Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you wanted to get in touch with Dr. Holly Milligan, you can reach her by calling three one six. 2016047 or you can find out more information about her and visit the contact page at www.somawichot.com until next time